Welcome back to the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. I'm your podcast host, Jonathan Warner. Uh, today we're going to be going over you know, some of the eventful uh, events from this past weekend. Uh, you know, Talk a little bit about that. And then towards the back end, we're going to have on Patrick Madden. Uh, he is going to go over the Gavit games. He's a big, big East follower, so I uh, decided to have him on. Uh, but for that, we need to get into some of the big news, which involves James Wiseman being ruled likely ineligible by the NCAA. Uh, this happens because back in uh, the summer of 2017, Wiseman's mom uh, took some money from, uh, at the time, booster Penny Hardaway. Uh, Hardaway donated to the school back in 2008. Uh, and then, you know, right now we have the situation where Penny is the head coach of James Wiseman. The Memphis, you know, staff, Penny Hardaway in general, has made it clear Wiseman's going to play. Uh, this will be something to monitor. The NCAA set out a statement that he's likely ineligible. We'll see if they can do anything, uh, if they will do anything. Uh, probably vacated wins coming later, but you have James Wiseman, you have a chance to make a Final Four run. That is something that without James Wiseman on the court, this team, you know, I think is still a tournament team, but their ceiling's definitely limited as to what they can actually do. So I, you know, if I were Memphis, I... I am taking the stance that, you know, this is the thing to do for Memphis. And, you know, you pay the consequences later, but for now, you worry about winning basketball games. Uh, the second thing to touch on, uh, Miles Powell went down with an ankle injury. Uh, I'm hearing the timeline is probably two to three weeks, which puts him uh, around the battle for Atlantis before he can, you know, start playing. Uh, this is big loss. Miles Powell, you know, he is a fantastic player. First team All-American. And, you know, this Seton Hall team outside of Powell is really, you know, limited what they can do. You got Miles Kale. He's solid, but not really a great basketball player. You got uh, Sandrew Mamu. Uh, Mamu. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. Uh, you got some solid pieces, but you know they kind of work around Miles Powell, and you know that's that's the issue here. Uh, you're missing your first team All American. Uh, if any team lost a first team All American, they would be in trouble. Seton Hall certainly, until he is back, is in trouble. They play Michigan State on Thursday. We'll talk about that later. Uh, you know, a tragedy struck. Uh, the Winston family, uh, Cassius's younger brother, Zachary Winston, uh, died late Saturday evening. This, this is heartbreaking. Uh, it's always something that's, it's hard to describe on a podcast, the like emotions. You, you have to throw some prayers out to the Winston family, uh, Cassius Winston, in general, you know, he played Sunday night and had a fantastic performance, 17 points, 11 assists, uh, and really, you know, you look at him, he played his heart out in that game. It was an emotional night, but he looked like he had, 
at least fun while he was on the court, uh, which is something to like to see. Also on Sunday, we had uh, Florida State beating number six ranked Florida. This is a Florida team that I was really high on. I had them uh, number three preseason. And so for Florida State to pick up this win is an outstanding achievement. Uh, now, matchup-wise, you know, Florida State matched up well against them. You know, they they have size. They have that length uh, that really, you know, kind of bothered the Florida Gators as a whole. You know, Florida shot completely horribly throughout the game. And so, you know, from that perspective, the fact they only lost by 12, I guess, is something. But they, Florida, I think, is in position... You just gotta get better. As a whole, this is a team on paper with the talent. I've said since day one, has they has a chance to win a national championship. They are going to have to get better if they're going to win. But you know, certainly this is not good for the Gators. We'll see. As for Florida State, you know they. They played really well in this one. Devin Vassell had 14 points. You know, MJ Walker played much better. You know, he was basically a no-show in the Pittsburgh game. Uh, certainly, he, he showed up in this one, uh, was big as they took down Florida. You know, this is something to build off for Florida State. A Florida State team, I think, I'm still thinking they're probably a top 25 team. I know they're not ranked. They probably shouldn't be ranked after the Pittsburgh loss. If you're not going to rank them to begin with, don't rank them now. But certainly, I still think this is a Florida State team that can do damage. I think they can you know, make a second weekend run. I think they can do all that. Uh, but certainly, this was the first step in the right direction for the Seminoles. As for Arizona and Illinois, uh, Nico Mannion... What else can you say? He showed up. Uh, Zeke Naji looked really good. And, you know, Arizona just is a close first half, very competitive. Second half uh, was, it just got ugly. And Arizona ran away and hid in that one. You know, certainly Arizona looks the part of a top 15, 20 team uh, like it was advertised in the preseason. And, you know, if Zeke Naji is going to be the player that he has been, Thus far in the season, uh, you have to like what you have, Arizona State. Going back, uh, Arizona, uh, going back to Saturday's action, big one, Texas took down Purdue, uh, 22 for Matt Coleman. Uh, he had three huge assists on plays. A uh, high screen uh, dive to the rim was one play, uh, hit a three-point shooter. This is a Texas team that, you know, I think – Coming into the year, everyone pegged as a tournament team, you know. But, you know, certainly this this is a huge first step in the right direction uh, to get this road win at Purdue. Just a humongous win for the Longhorns. Uh, they should be in the preseason poll. Uh, I know they're not right now, but certainly I think they should be. Uh, you look at this Texas team, if they're going to get the production they get have gotten out of Matt Coleman, uh, Andrew Jones can be kind of that second, maybe even third score. Uh, you also have, you know, improved play, Jericho Sims. You know, this is a Texas team that, you know, maybe can be the main challenger to Kansas top the Big 12. 
I would still go Texas Tech there, but certainly you have to think they have a chance. Other big game, Oklahoma took down Minnesota in Sioux Falls at 71-62. to uh, This an Oklahoma team, I think, you know, shows all the makings of a tournament team. They'll have a big one against Oregon State on Tuesday. Oregon State took down Iowa State 80-74. to Big game from Trace Tinkle uh, to help the Beavers win. Uh, and then the last game from Saturday that I wanted to touch on, uh, Nichols State takes down Pittsburgh Nichols. Uh, they forced overtime at Illinois. Most teams in that situation, I think, you know, kind of have a clunker performance, but credit to Nichols State to show up early Saturday and beat Pittsburgh. It's a big win for that program, and it puts them in position to get, uh, I think, be pegged as the favorites maybe in the Southland Conference. Uh, going over some of the, this week's action, uh, Tuesday you have Missouri at Xavier. Uh, that's 7 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network. Uh, that's one I think it, Xavier should win pretty comfortably. Uh, I've noticed a lot of people... You know, like Mizzou this year, I'm not completely sold. I think Jeremiah Tillman's taking a real step forward, which is, you know, something to like. But I don't know if they can, you know, necessarily win at Xavier if they're ready for that. Uh, you got Memphis uh, against Oregon. Uh, James Wiseman will likely play in that one. Uh, that will be a fun early season matchup. It's in the Phil Knight Invitational. I think it's just a one night event uh you know you have to look at memphis as the favorite or oregon as the favorite to win that game uh certainly the ducks peyton pritchard they've been there before memphis really hasn't but it is an opportunity for wiseman and company you know to show out on a big stage also on tuesday you have oklahoma against oregon state that one's at 11 p.m eastern on espn2 i think you know that's a game Oklahoma should they should win. The crowd will probably be you know more Oregon State leaning, but you know I still think Oklahoma is the better team in this situation. It should show Wednesday. You have LSU at VCU. Uh, the Will Wade return to VCU. Uh, that should be a competitive game. Uh, I think I'm going to go with LSU. I think they have more talent. That one's at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. After the break, we will get back and talk to Patrick Madden, who is going to go through the Gavit games. Stay tuned. This podcast is brought to you by MakingTheMadness.com. There you will see daily bracketology, daily against the spread winners, so don't forget to check out makingthemadness.com for your latest college basketball news. Welcome back to the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. I have guest here, Patrick Madden. Uh, Patrick, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. I've listened to your first few podcasts, and uh, you're doing a good job so far. Thank you. Uh, so what I wanted to do today, uh, get into, I guess, the Gavit games, uh, talk about that a little bit. We'll start out with DePaul at Iowa. It's 
taking place tonight. The podcast probably will not post by the end of that. Uh, anything you're looking for in that game? Yes, what's interesting is uh, DePaul, as you, as you probably know, played three games last week. A little bit unusual, but it fits in with trying to get their head coach, Dave Lato, back from a suspension that he was given for NCAA recruiting violations. Uh, what's interesting is that uh, the star for DePaul so far has been their transfer guard, Charlie Moore, who came over from Kansas. Moore averaged 19 points. Moore is probably a key tonight because uh, he probably is the one person on the poll who has an advantage over his counterpart in Iowa. Uh, I don't know what to expect from Iowa's star guard, Jordan Bohannon. He came back a little sooner from injury than we expected. Uh, I don't know how many minutes he's going to contribute. I mean, if he was at full strength, he'd probably give something like Moore a lot of trouble. I like Iowa's front court. Uh, Luke Garza. And uh, I like Luke Garza. I like Creenier. You know, Wisecamp, their shooting guard. Yeah, so, Wisecamp's, he's a stud. He, That guy can, you know, go put up 20 on any night, and he certainly is poised to be one of the best players this year in the Big Ten. Absolutely. The, two, the, the guy to keep an eye on for DePaul is their uh, freshman small forward, Romeo Weems. Uh, he had a good game against Alcorn State on Tuesday. Not so good on the third game and a fourth night against FDU on Friday. The Weems is athletic. Probably the best recruit that DePaul has had in a while. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see how he performs on his first test against a quality opponent and in a road situation in college. Yeah, I think, you know, the freshmen... I think freshmen these days are a little bit more ready to play road games uh, just because, you know, back in the old day, they old days, I guess, they probably didn't quite have, like, the AU-type scene where they're playing maybe 100-plus games a year. So, But I think he should be able to handle uh, the, his first road environment. I guess my pick here, I'm going to go with Iowa in a close one. You know, DePaul will put up a good fight. I just, I'll go with the veteran experience uh, in Iowa, but certainly it should be a good game. I like Iowa. I like Iowa probably to cover the number. I don't necessarily think that DePaul, I think DePaul will put a good showing up. I just think when you're looking at the experience, when you're looking at the quality of talent from Weisskamp and Garza and some of the other guys, that it's definitely something which might be too much for the DePaul team as they are right now to overcome, considering they're going to be on the road in Iowa City. Yeah. Uh, moving forward to Tuesday's games, uh, probably when this will actually get out, this will be the current uh, up-to-date standings, I guess. Uh, we're assuming Iowa wins tonight while the podcast is getting published. Uh, so Tuesday, let's start out. Creighton at Michigan. That one's 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 1. Uh, yep. I, I like Michigan in this game. I think it's unfortunate that Creighton has the two big injuries. One is the center, Jacob Epperson. He's out for the year. The other is to their uh, senior point guard, Davian Mintz. I think what 
Epperson definitely is. Epperson is going to be their quality big guy for the call. And considering that you're going up against the likes of John Teske and Isaiah Livers, having a, not having quality depth and quality height up front is going to pose a big problem for Creighton in this game. Mintz is probably someone who could have provided a little bit more defense than what's going to be on the court tomorrow night for Creighton. Now keep in mind, Creighton's one of the most explosive teams in the country. you got Tyshawn Alexander. You've got Marcus Zagorowski. You've got Christian Bishop. You've got Mitch Bout. Those guys can shoot the basketball, but the question is, will they be able to play enough defense to hold off the onslaught in the front court from Michigan? Yeah, I, I think with Michigan in this case, I think uh, Xavier Simpson's going to be the key. Uh, can he kind of you know slow the tempo down, uh, get this more of a grinded-out type of game? Uh, which I think if he can do that, uh, you know, control the pace. I like Michigan to win this game. Creighton's going to want to get out and run, obviously. Uh, they have Alexander. They have Balak. Uh, those guys are very explosive, as you mentioned. Uh, Teske is a concern inside for Creighton. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's necessarily an elite score, but he's certainly someone you can throw post-touches to uh, and score baskets. Uh, I'm going to lean Michigan in this game, but certainly I think it'll be maybe the closest game of the Tuesday night affairs. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 the question becomes, how does Creighton handle the crowd up in Michigan? They're going to be fired up. It's Juwan Howard's first big game as head coach at Michigan. And I think those fans are going to be very excited for national television and the first major opponent they're going to see all season. So uh, I expect Michigan to probably win by a comfortable margin. Again, not really looking for a blowout per se, but I do think Michigan should have enough to handle Creighton you know, fairly, maybe in the 8-10 to 10 point range. Yeah, I would say probably 6 or 7 range. I think they'll win by a couple possessions. Uh but certainly, I think we're both going Michigan in this one. Uh, the next one is Minnesota at Butler. Uh, that one's two hours after that, 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 1. Uh, this one does not seem like it will be all that close, uh, at least in my eyes. Do you see anything different? Well, the thing about Butler is that they have a couple of injuries that they're working through. Tamar Butler is nursing a ribcage-type injury. I think he got a bruise or something like that, and it limited him in their first two games against IUPI and New Orleans. So the only the only thing which probably gives, I shouldn't say gives Minnesota any hope, but the thing, the biggest question hanging over Butler right now is how much can Baldwin play and how well is Baldwin play given that he's coming off an injury. He did play a few minutes against New Orleans, so... Like, who knows what type of shape he's in. Sean McDermott, who's the senior forward for Butler, he had a big game against IUPUI, and they're also hopeful for this other guard, Jordan Tucker, uh, who did not make the IUPUI game because of the suspension, played very well against New Orleans. So they have a lot of weapons. And the question is, Minnesota's got a lot of inexperience in the backcourt. Uh, as much as they had a good season last year, they lost some key pieces from that team. It's going to take Richard Pitino a while to get that team back in order. And I think taking a trip down to Butler, which is one of the hardest places 
to win for a non-conference team might be something that's too much for, to ask out of Minnesota tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I certainly I don't really see this game being all that close. Uh, you mentioned uh, Butler. You know they've been dealing with the injuries, the suspension to Tucker, and they've still been blowing their opponents out of the water. Uh, Minnesota lost a kind of close game to an Oklahoma team uh, on Saturday night. That's you know a little bit concerning. It was a neutral site game. Uh, Marcus Carr doesn't look quite up to speed uh, just yet. In terms of where Amir Coffey kind of left Minnesota off last year, uh, you got Kalsher, Oturu inside. Those two are good, but really, other than those three, you know, there's a lot of question marks I see with this Minnesota roster, and that that leads me to believe Butler's just going to win this game pretty comfortably. Yeah, I like Butler too. I like Butler to put up a good showing tomorrow night. I think Minnesota's probably the perfect opponent for a team for Butler to come in on. The game might be different if the game was up in Minnesota, but the fact that the game's down in Indianapolis, down at Hinkle, that gives Butler a decided edge because their crowd will be fired up for this game. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Wednesday, we have Villanova at Ohio State. That is 7 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 1. Uh, this I think is probably the best game on Wednesday. Certainly should be a fun one. We'll see if Ohio State makes the necessary improvements that you know we all pegged preseason. Uh, and we'll see if the young players, uh, Justin Moore... Jeremiah Robinson yeah. Earl. The, the, the thing, Robinson, Robinson Earl is the real deal. Uh, I watched some film of him in the offseason. And then I caught some highlights of the game against Army last week. I, it's playing Army, of course, but that guy is six foot nine. He can do it inside. He can do it outside. He can rebound, uh, and he's someone who you better people better take notice of sooner rather than later, or else he's going to sneak up on people. I think the last time I saw him on the NBA draft board, he was somewhere in the nine to ten range in terms of who they're expecting to be drafted next June. So yeah. obviously people have taken notice. It'll be interesting to see how he does against Caleb Wesson tomorrow night. Wesson's an all-10 prospect. Wesson's a veteran. Wesson might walk into that game with a chip on his shoulder and say, hey, I know you're all hyped up about Robinson Earl, but pay attention to me. I can do some things as well. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not the raw talent of Robinson Earl is how it compares to the experience and the and the senior leadership or junior or the leadership that a guy like Wesson provides. It'll be a very interesting matchup of bigs to, on Wednesday night. Yeah. What I think makes a difference in the game is the supporting cast for Villanova. Sadiq Bey, Jermaine Samuels, uh, Colin Gillespie. The question becomes, is this game played at a high-scoring level which will give Villanova an advantage, or can Chris Holtman turn the tempo down a little bit, make it a possession-by-possession type half-court game and keep Ohio State fighting down to the final minutes. Yeah, I certainly think it'll be more of a rock fight type of game than, you know, one of those pace and space 80 to 79 type games that you see these days. Uh, You know, I'm certainly, I'm picking Villanova to win this game. Uh, I think, you know, 
Wesson is obviously really good inside. He's probably going to have a decent game. Uh, but they're going to need some help from players like DJ Carton, uh, Andre Wesson, who, who has been dealing with an injury. Uh, you know, the freshman EJ Liddell. They'll need one some of those players to step up. I think Villanova just as a whole has more pieces uh, and is more equipped to win this game. Uh, that's why I would go with Villanova. Uh, your pick? I think Villanova, I think they... I think they... Jay right now has had to win games like this. I think he's going to find a way to get Villanova the plays that they need to find a way to eke it out. But I do expect Ohio State to put up a pretty good fight. And it was an impressive win they had against Cincinnati last week. Certainly. Uh, the next game, we don't need to discuss too much of this one because the result will probably be over uh, before it even starts. Providence at Northwestern. Northwestern lost to Merrimack College. Uh, Providence has been certainly fantastic to start this season uh, with you know Alpha Diallo leading them. David Duke Jr. has really taken a step forward. Uh, certainly, I think this one screams Providence by at least 20. Yeah, I think I. it's sad because I think a lot of people had, certainly when the, it's weird how they schedule games, I think a lot of people had high hopes for the recruiting class that Chris Collins brought into Northwestern, it just doesn't look like it's gelled yet. It's yeah. a little bit too early. And when you bring in the type of talent that Providence has, particularly offensively, you talk to hit upon Diallo, you hit upon Reeves. They really like the transfer guard from Massachusetts, Louis Pipkins. I think when you bring that together, I think they just have too much firepower, and I don't think Northwestern has any answers for them. I, I would honestly like to see if they could like go back in time. I think they would like to switch Providence and Paul's spot, uh, make Providence play a tough road game at Iowa, and then have the battle for Chicago with DePaul and Northwestern. Uh, I, I think, think the reason they couldn't do that though was that DePaul and Northwestern are already scheduled to play each other later in December. Oh, I did so not like, check out the future schedule, so good point there. Yeah, no, they've already scheduled, like, for example, Seton Hall's playing Rutgers, so you wouldn't have Seton Hall playing Rutgers in the Gavit games. Yeah. And Marquette plays Wisconsin, obviously. So the, the idea, it's just it's just a quirky way that the Gavit games are set up where six Big Ten teams sit out and two Big East teams, and it just so happened they had the, you know, after you got through the series of beginning matchups, you're down to, okay, who's left? Here's Providence, here's Northwestern. All right, here you go. Now, you know, you, nobody can predict what these teams are going to be like. So uh, the other, the good news is that because that game's probably not going to be that good, you have the other game we're about to talk to to turn into on Fox Sports 1. Yes, the uh, big game of the night, Purdue at Marquette. Uh, we all know about Marcus Howard, how fantastic he is as a player. Uh, you know, high elite level score shooter just in general. And then you got a Purdue team, you know, coming off a very tough loss on Saturday night to Texas. Uh, this this is one of the more entertaining games. I think there's kind of a mixture in styles uh, as a whole. Uh, what stands out to you in this one? Well, well I'm going to be interested to see how Purdue reacts to that loss to Texas. What troubled me 
watching some highlights and looking at the box scores is how effective Matt Coleman from Texas was to guard. He had 22 points. Uh, I know Noel, Noel Eastern, the point guard, the starting point guard and veteran for Purdue, is coming off a hand injury he suffered last week. Uh, you need Eastern to play some defense in order to slow down Marcus Howard. And if he's not 100% and he can't provide the defensive intensity that you need him for, then you're going to have some issues regarding, you know, how Purdue slows down Marquette, particularly since the game's at Marquette, particularly since their crowd's going to be into it. And it's something where, you know, if Purdue's not careful early on in that game on Wednesday night, uh, if Marquette, if, Mar- if Marcus Howard gets it rolling the way he's capable of, uh, they could be, they could put themselves in a pretty big hole and not end up being very competitive in this game. Uh, I do like Purdue's size in this matchup. I, I think that uh, Matt, it's important. I think it's important for Matt Painter to make sure the ball gets to Matt Harms on a regular basis. He does have a big advantage over Marquette center Theo John. Uh, he's got a significant offensive advantages over John, and I think that the key to Purdue making this a contest is getting Matt Harms involved in this game and letting him see if he can do some damage against a relatively undersized Marquette front line. Yeah, certainly it will be a battle of the front courts. We'll see if Theo John can, first of all, just stay out of foul trouble, which is a big thing he, you know, struggled with last year. Uh, if he can, you know, I think he can contest harms at least a little bit, you know, force him into some tough looks. Uh, and then offensively, you got to give the edge to Marquette with Marcus Howard. Uh, you know, if Howard can, you know, get going, if he can score early and score often, this could be a long night for Purdue. Uh, but if they can, you know, force Marcus Howard into maybe only scoring 20 points, I think the Boilermakers win this one. Uh, personally, I'm going to go with Marcus Howard having a big one, big game, and Marquette wins it. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think I changed my mind about this one. Originally, when I did the, when I looked at the game at first, I thought this one screams Matt Painter figures out a way to slow down Marcus Howard and finds a way to steal one up up at Marquette. Now the way Purdue looked on Saturday night. They have a lot of work to do to get their defense together, and I think asking them to do it in three or four days could be too much for Purdue. I mean, later in the season, you know, as the, as the schedule goes on, maybe Purdue figures it out defensively, but in terms of Wednesday night, I don't think they have enough time considering the challenge they face against Marquette. Yeah, I, I certainly think if this game were played in the NCAA tournament, I would probably go with Purdue uh just like in three or four months, but you know, at least for now, we're looking at Marcus Howard uh, in a kind of exper- more experienced Marquette team uh, against kind of the under-experienced Purdue team. Uh, moving forward to Thursday's games, uh, the first one is Penn State at Georgetown. Uh, that one's 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 1. Uh, this is one... We're, we're going to see if Georgetown can prove they are, you know, able to play kind of high-level defense. Uh, you know, that that's the main concern with this team. Uh, your thoughts coming into this game? Well, I watched some of Georgetown's game against Central Arkansas, 
and they obviously struggled a little bit the first week of the season. They had they they were behind a lot at the half against Mount St. Mary's on Wednesday night, and they really couldn't put away a Central Arkansas team. They let Central Arkansas do too many things offensively. Uh, what's going to be interesting is the matchup between Lamar Stevens and Omar Yurt Seven. Uh, a lot of people are not paying a lot of attention, at least in other parts of the country, to Yurt Seven. Yurt Seven was actually their best. Georgetown's best player the opening week, seven foot zero, and what Patrick Ewing's trying to get him to do is really get him to focus on things that he needs to do as a center at the next level. How to post up on the box, how to play strong interior defense, how to rebound. Your seven had a double double in about eight minutes on Saturday afternoon, uh, but Stevens is a monster. I mean, the thing about Stevens is that if if, if Penn State can get him going. Uh, I don't care if I don't care if Patrick Ewing goes back 25 years and puts on a uniform. Stevens might be able to do some damage in that game. The other thing is how focused is the Georgetown backcourt in this game? Uh, Akinyo and McClune have not gone off to a great start this season. Uh, is their mind towards something else? Are they going to take Penn State seriously? Because the NCAA tournament committee is going to take this game very seriously because you have two teams who probably project to be on the bubble. And the last thing you want in March is to have missed an opportunity to take a game like this away, particularly for Georgetown, who's the home team in this game. Yeah. Uh, You know, one thing I'm looking for, you know, Mike Watkins uh, is probably the player who's going to be, you know, forced with or tasked with slowing down your seven uh, inside. Stevens, he's going to try to get downhill. Uh, We'll see if they can... Get your set your seven or someone else to kind of slow down him uh, and force. You know they really just need to force someone out else to beat them other uh, than Stevens. If they can do that, I think they have a very good shot of uh, knocking them off. Uh, but if Stevens goes off for twenty or twenty-five or has a big game passing the ball, uh, that's where. You know, the Hoyas really get in trouble. Uh, I will lean with Georgetown in this one. I think they get it done, but it will certainly be a close one and kind of a mixture of styles as Penn State likes to play a little bit slower and Georgetown likes to get a little more up and down. Yeah, I think the Georgetown guards particularly, Akinjo and McClung, are going to try to use a game like this as a showcase. Uh, I think this is the type of game they know a lot of people are going to be watching it. It's been something that's been marked on their calendar. Georgetown's playing a much better schedule this season than it did last season. So I think that what Patrick Ewing's trying to do is give them some tough opponents. Like, for example, next week they go to they go up to the Garden to play Texas and possibly Duke. So it's something where Georgetown's going to be tested in the non-conference and get them a little bit readier for the Big East schedule than they've been in past years. Certainly. Uh, the final game uh, was one I think was the most uh, hyped about until the Miles Powell injury news. That one's at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. It is Michigan State at Seton Hall. Uh, with Miles Powell, this would have been a much more interesting matchup. We've had Cassius Winston, Miles Powell, obviously the headliners, uh, two preseason first-team All-Americans. Uh, but without Powell, I think this one could get ugly a little bit. I don't know. If, one thing to keep in mind is that 
Powell is probably not going to get the matchup against Winston defensively. That's probably going to that's probably still going to be in the hands of a committee between Quincy McKnight, uh, Shavar Reynolds, and a little bit with uh, Anthony Nelson. So what Seton Hall is going to look to do is throw a bunch of people at Winston and see if they can muddy things up a little bit. Uh, Winston looked very good on Sunday night, which is important because we don't know. You know, he obviously the death of his brother on Saturday night obviously took a major emotional toll on him. But it looks like what he's looking to do, maybe over the rest of the season, is try to channel that into a more focused game on the court. Um, Michigan State was a little bit, it, it was scary thinking about them after their game against Kentucky because Kentucky's defense just shut everybody not named Cassius Winston down. Uh, maybe now because they're playing, the rest of the Michigan State Spartans are playing for their leader, that might enable guys like uh, uh, Xavier Tillman and Aaron Henry to step things up a little bit. Uh, and it looked like last night their offense was in pretty good sync. Winston made some uh Typical passes for him. He had a few jumpers in his uh, brief period in the game against Binghamton. And it might just be something which gives Michigan State a new focus and a new intensity going forward. I think even with Powell, given Michigan State's circumstances, this would have been a tough game for Seton Hall. I actually think Seton Hall is going to make it competitive. I don't know if they have enough out there to offset Cassius Winston. Uh, Sandrew Mamish Kelishvili, the forward, the junior forward for Seton Hall, is going to have to have a big game, as will probably Jared Roden, uh, the sophomore guard who was coming off the bench. He probably gets a start on Thursday night. Uh, he's someone who's going to have to put some points on the board, but Michigan State plays tremendous defense. So it's going to be something where, you know, Seton Hall is going to have to figure out scoring options about Miles Powell, assuming Powell doesn't make it to the game. Uh, that's what the likely scenario from what I've read looks like. But, you know, a guy with Miles Powell's motor, he might, you know, depending on, you know, how intense he works with that sprained ankle, you know, I think there's an outside shot he sees the court. I don't know how effective he's going to be. I think it's a possibility. Yeah, I think I've seen the injury timeline, at least on Twitter, probably about two weeks. You can expect to see him uh, on the court again. You know, I, I do think you you're, you hit the nail on the head there. Seton Hall is going to try to, you know, muck this game up a little bit, uh, make it, you know, a little bit ugly, a little bit of a rock fight. I just think, you know, you look at Michigan State, not only do they have Winston, I think Aaron Henry, uh, Xavier Tillman are probably uh, the second and third best players on the court without uh, Miles Powell playing. Uh, so that that's one of the reasons I like Michigan State to win at least comfortably. I think it could be close in the first half. Uh, you know, maybe you get like a tie game at the half, and we're you know looking at it and saying, "Well, this this is a certainly a upset alert." Uh, but then I I think at some point Michigan State's just gonna put this game away. Yeah, I think Winston is too good a playmaker and too good a scorer to probably let a game, because the other thing you had to keep in mind with Michigan State is that the last thing they're going to want to do in this situation is have a one and two record. I mean, I think that's something that might cause them, I mean, I look, they're usually a team that gets better as the season goes along, but given how high the expectations are to end up one and two at this point 
might put a dent in their confidence a little bit. You know, it's one thing it's one thing to get that uh, sort of to have that wake up call against Kentucky like they had this week, but then to go back out to the East Coast and lose one to you know the Cheating Hall's a ranked team, but still, when you're expected to be contending for a national title, you don't want to end up with two empty road games this early in the season. Certainly, that will be the case. Uh, the final tally for both of us ended up with the Big East winning the Gavit Games Challenge 5-3. Uh, any last-minute adjustments that you want to make to the picks, or are you sticking with the Big East winning this one? Yeah, I mean, I think people who are paying attention should keep their eye on, you know, the Butler injury report. Uh, I, again, I presume that Baldwin and Baddeley will play, uh, but, you know, just keep an eye on that. You know, that's sort of something which, again, if Butley's close to full strength, they should handle Minnesota. But if Baldwin doesn't come out 100%, you know, that that might be something which might give Minnesota a chance to keep the game closer than you might expect it to be. Other than that, I think everything else is pretty. Again, the other thing to keep an eye on is, you know, maybe there's a miracle recovery and somehow Miles Powell makes his way on the court. I don't think that had. I, I still think Michigan State wins the game if Powell's on the court, but it might give people pause to think about, you know, depending on how the spread is set in that game and stuff like that. Certainly. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, and as for the podcast, we will be coming back probably Friday. So stay tuned.